I think the thing that makes me fulfilled, and I think what makes the church fulfilled, rather than just living individual lives and rather than just focusing just on our family, which yes, we should, I think like, yeah, go in and try to restore family, our family itself. But I really feel like in the broad sense of our communities and our world and to look for broken circumstances and to look for broken people and to, to just have compassion and to love them in reality and to build community from that. And so I don't know that that really is the it's really funny because it's like the one thing that gets me charged is not necessarily making music, but it's seeing brokenness, not fix. I don't want to say fix, but I guess seeing people and meeting people in their brokenness. September's done, basically. How are you doing? Thank you for downloading the show. If you don't know what this is or who I am, my name is Seth. This is the Can I Say This at Church podcast, a podcast dedicated to having authentic and genuine conversations about religion, faith, life, and anything else that intersects with those. So last week in the episode with Henry Nowen, I had said, you know, in a few weeks, I'm going to try to do a solo episode. I gave a call for you to send in just thoughts, feedback, questions about the show, about faith, about life, about me, about you, about whether or not the Dallas Cowboys will have a winning season. Fingers crossed we are right now. But please do that. Please shoot me an email at church at gmail.com. Use the hashtag can I say this at church? Just wherever you want to direct those to me, let me let me see those. Um, I would love to incorporate those into what is arguably one of the most episodes that I'm probably most nervous about. Uh, and I just want to be upfront about that. Remember to rate and review the show, and a very special thanks to every single patron of the show. And if you're not counted among them, please do so. They make sure that the show can be a show. Like I, I say this, and I mean it every time. Uh, this show has no ads, and that's on purpose. And so if you thought about supporting the show in any way, click the buttons. You find the links everywhere. It's, it's not hard to track down uh, your, your show notes or website, wherever you want to go. And consider supporting the show for as little or as much as you can for as long or as short of a time period as you can. Because I know people's lives change. I would love to greet you there and tell you thank you. Today's conversation is with one of the patron supporters. So Matt Tipton is a musician. He's a pastor. He's an artist. He's a father. He's a husband. He's a human. He's from Texas, which gives him at least 20% more you know, street cred. And that's not fair if you're not from Texas. And I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But Matt, his music just touches me. And I've used his music in a few episodes in the past. He's been gracious enough to share those. And, and it is a privilege to bring him onto the show to talk a bit about his story. And so here we go. Part three on Patreon Conversations with Matt Tipton. As a hobby, but also as his way to, I'm giving you way too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, well, so what's fun is I'm already recording this, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's way too much. Uh, okay. Well, let's 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 make it go. Okay. Matt Tipton, thank you for being a supporter of the show. Welcome to the show, man. I'm excited to talk to you. I'm a very big fan of your music. You were one of the first people that said, "Yeah, you can use the music on the show." And, um, wow, and really? so, yeah, um, I, I emailed a bunch of people now, although yours wasn't the first episode that music was in, you were one of the first people that 
that uh, said, yeah, I, I recorded, oh gosh, about 12 before I released anything because um, I needed to make sure I gave myself a stopgap since I'm the only person that is doing most of the work. So I needed to give myself sure. runway, if that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. the music yeah. that I mixed in with um, the interview with Alexander Shah, yeah, you were the first person um, that said yes. So thank you for your generosity and welcome to the show, man. Excited to have you. Anytime, anytime, absolutely. So tell me about you. What is it that makes Matt, Matt? And that's, I, I ask the same question every single time because that's literally one of my favorite questions. Well, that's interesting. I think it's like, has a lot to do with the past, you know, and I think it's a lot of, um, I think it has a lot, a lot to do with, you know, who and um, where I came from, um, how I was brought up, kind of my family life growing up and maybe some disappointments in my past, but in what I strive to be today, you know, and it's, it's kind of weird that you say that, you know, like what makes Matt, Matt, um, um, I'm in a weird season of life and you might understand this, but being a man, you kind of go through different phases. Being someone who turns 18, you're, you're told you're this adult, you know, that you need to be, you know, on the road to figure things out for yourself. You know, what are you wanting to do with your career? What do you want to do with your education? Whatnot. How are you going to support yourself? And it's more about yourself. And so growing up, you know, that's just the mentality that I had. And then, you know, as a, as a young man, you know, and then getting to be this young man, Growing through my 20s, growing up, starting in ministry, going through disappointments in my family, trying to raise a family, trying to support my wife and my family through you know, my career and what I'm doing in ministry, there's just a different perspective. And so it's really weird because like, I'm at a whole different phase of life being 37 of going, I'm not that young man. I know that sounds weird to some <laughs> older listeners, you know? But I'm not that young man in my teens or my early 20s or even my early 30s anymore. It's like a weird lens to look through to go, who is Matt? You know, what makes Matt Matt? Well, I'm in a different phase of life where I'm going, I'm kind of relearning that. Um, I'm, I'm relearning what it is like to be, to be Matt through the failures and, and everything of, of who I am. And as my kids get older and it's like, wow, I, I kind of had that idea, but I'm constantly in a state of learning, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I grew up, I grew up fatherless. Um, mm. I didn't know my dad and so, you know, a lot of listeners probably could probably understand, you know, in some way, uh, with that, you know, but I never knew my real father and I had the chance to kind of meet him when I was older in life. But, um, I found out that he died soon before I got the chance to actually meet him in person. Um, so my whole life, I kind of dealt with this father issue um, of not knowing who and what a father was like in my life. And so that really kind of uh, shaped who I was and how I thought in a lot of ways. I know I'm sorry. I'm probably going a little bit further than I should be, but you're fine. <laughs> you're, you're fine. But when it comes to faith, um, my faith is, is, is a lot of what makes me who I am, but it, a lot of it stems from not having a father and, and really coming to, to trust who God is as the father through not having a father. Does that make sense? It the does. absence of father. So it, it continues on through this manhood of now being 37 and becoming kind of that early, young, older man. So I'm not like a young man <laughs> anymore, but I'm kind of like 
the I'm like the young man of the older man. So I'm like the kind of the at the beginning stages of <laughs> becoming an older man. <laughs> I have a different lens of life as what a man should be. And so my perspective as far as like everything is changing constantly. And so what makes Matt Matt is is always changing and it's definitely in a in a season where I feel like it's a different lens and I'm learning how to see through that lens. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, a, um, 30 or I'm, I'm sorry. I'm tired of saying, Hey, I'm going to edit that. I, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, I say that a lot. I say that a <laughs> no, lot. Keep it, keep it in. One. There we go. It just changed the, <laughs> the prefix. 37 is a fantastic age. Cause I am also 37. I've never thought about myself being a young nice. old man, but I do. I'm often reminded of, I don't know who said it. Maybe one of my grandparents, maybe it was my dad. And, you know, old is like 20 years from now. And I can remember, you know, being 17 and be like, oh man, 37, you know, 35, whatever, that's old. And now that I'm right. 37, I'm like, man, 50 is definitely not old. Like, <laughs> def- definitely not old. Yeah. So I, I can relate to that a lot. What is that old lens? So you talk about you've got a new lens and that you've been wrestling with some things. So if you're willing, I'd like to hear a bit about that. Like, what is the old lens? And then how is that shifting or fracturing into a new lens for? I guess this year or this season or whatever it is. I think it's more of like you're in your early stage of manhood. You're more independent. You know, you're really trying to focus on taking care of yourself and making a name for yourself, a career for yourself, supporting yourself. You know, Um, I know this is weird, but I mean, this is like the kind of pre-millennial age. Like I'm one of the first millennials, like I'm the early millennial but, um, you know, I still was, was taught, dude, when you're 18, you're out of the house, bro. Like you're, you know, it's, it's time to go and, you know, get out of the nest and, and start supporting yourself. And so that was a big deal for me. And so there was always this mentality of like, what is your career going to look like? What are you going to do, you know, to support yourself? And then, um, I got married at 22 and immediately was, <laughs> I wouldn't say bribed, but, you know, God led me to this, this opportunity to help start a church in the North, the Pacific Northwest. And so, uh, just North of Seattle, I helped, I got the opportunity to start a church, you know, with a friend and at 22, 22 and one of the most unreached areas of the United States and no ministry, no ministry training, no seminary degree, nothing. I was, I, all I was, I was out to be was this producer. I love being in the studio. That's what I went to school for. That's what I was trained at was, was working in the studio, was producing others, was, you know, being an audio engineer. And so I was geared towards that, but God led me to help start this church without the thought of actually pastoring, but just going to help. And as my wife and I, when we got married, three weeks after we got married, after our honeymoon, we actually moved to the Pacific Northwest and to help start this church with a friend and just felt led. It was adventurous. It was, you know, exciting. We were 22. We didn't have kids or anything like that. So it was still something that this mentality of like, you know, I'm, I'm here to like make a name for myself. Like I want to be, you know, known for being this faithful person who's just jumping out on a limb, like, you know, trusting God and just doing whatever he's called me to do. And God used that in a big way to bless me, but also to kind of mold me. 
Hmm. Like, so he, he was blessing me for being faithful, but he was also like, was shaping me and disciplining me out of kind of the sheer ignorance that I had. This like confidence that I had, but also, I don't know how to explain it. Um, ignorance, uh, immaturity. <laughs> yeah. How long did you, how long did you pastor there? Or well, did you just the produce thing. there? Like, were you preaching? Were you singing? Like, what were you doing? Well, my 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 uh, youth pastor was going to be the actual church planner, so he was going to be the that senior pastor, and he wanted me to come along and ask me to pray about it. And as a young man, I thought it was adventurous. So I, I thought, you know, my talk to my soon to be bride, soon to be wife, you know, and see what she thought about it. We both agreed and felt called and led. And so my job was going to be an intern at Mackey, and. Um, and so this was in the Pacific Northwest. And so my job was not to be actually full-time or to be employed by the church. But what happened was on my way up to the Pacific Northwest to Seattle, uh, after our honeymoon, we drove up and we spent four days traveling in a car, taking whatever we had, which is barely anything. We didn't really have you know, a lot. We didn't have you know, beds or anything like that. We had maybe a dresser and a table and a TV and some clothes and it was pretty, pretty embarrassing. Hmm. And we were going to move into this apartment complex that was 659 square feet. And um, on our way up there, my wife was planning to be an accountant for one of the big four. There was Ernst & Young that was in Seattle. So she was going to be starting at Ernst & Young in Seattle. So that was her occupation. But my occupation was I was planning to just go and be an audio engineer, to go and produce, to kind of start my career in Seattle. But on the way there, the guy who was starting the church called me and said, hey, Matt, we're raising a lot of money, and I would love for you to come on full-time on staff to be our music production guy. And so I thought, um, can I call you back? You know. So, <laughs> so hours later, called him back, and I was like, that sounds really cool. I don't really know what you're wanting from me. And he's like, well, we can talk about details, you know, when you get here. And so got to Seattle, um, talked to this individual, his name's Chris, amazing guy, talked to Chris and said, Hey, okay, I'm, I'm willing to be a part of the team full time. He says, great. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it more when we get here. And it was funny because in my heart, I had no intention of ever being a pastor ever being on on staff at a church never being a pastor i just had no heart for it i didn't know what that was like i had no never been to seminary i'd never been to anything and yet i'm moving across the country for what i thought was just this adventurous ride but yet god was calling me to be a pastor and when i started that job i was basically put in a position where i was to build teams and to become this leader and to help form this church that didn't exist out of nowhere. And being so oblivious and kind of ignorant, which was kind of good in some way, God led me to starting to kind of love the church and understand who the church was. I never really knew who the church was, but through this decision, you know, and faithfulness of trusting God and moving out of ignorance, God was kind of shaping my heart to have this desire and love for who the church was. And so out of that time in the Pacific Northwest and, and becoming on staff, I actually became the, one of the pastors of this church and led a team, saw it grow, got to be a part of something pretty incredible, but something I never thought I would be. Yeah. And that came from faithfulness, but also out of ignorance. 
And uh, <laughs> God really began to shape more, and, you know, I guess, he began to, I guess, make it real in my heart of who he was as father more and more. Because at that time, moving to the Pacific Northwest, there was still kind of a distrust towards the father figure of who God was. Yeah. But he, him taking care of me, of him like just, you know, disciplining me, but also leading me into this position of understanding who the church was. Man, I can't tell you. It's, it was incredible to like bring me closer to this understanding of God the Father. And so what was missing in my life became even more real by taking this chance. And then that's, so that sent you from there. So that, did that whet your appetite to want to get into ministry? And is that like, so, cause you're in Houston now, right? At least if Google is yeah. correct, you're in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Google's always correct. So, so how do, how do you get to Texas? Like, are you from Texas? Did you go back or? Yes. You are from yeah, Texas. So, Perfect. Um, where we came from, we came from a church where I used to help out in the youth ministry and the youth minister of that church where I served felt led to start a church somewhere mm-hmm. um, and asked me to be a part of that team. And through that team, we decided the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, so gotcha. yeah. being in the Pacific Northwest, I was actually there in Seattle for about six and a half years before the Lord was like, it's time to go. And then when I was kind of feeling called away, there was an opportunity in Houston back at the church I served at for being on staff as, as a worship pastor. And so it was really unique. I mean, to see how all of this played out that here's the church I came from, you know, I'm, and then I moved to Seattle, started church. And then years later, feeling led away only to, re, you know, return back to Houston to the actual church that I came from. Yeah. And I've been serving there ever since. Yeah. So curious, you've talked about what the church looked like or what the church needed to be. And I feel like you're talking about that church in the Pacific Northwest, but I'd like to break that open bigger. And so as a pastor, as someone of similar age as me, you'll read or you'll hear argued of the church's role should be this, or the mission of the church should be this. But I'm curious, what do you think the church should actually be busy doing uh, on days that aren't Sunday? Like, what should we be doing? Honestly, dude, I, I think it's like, I think it's interacting with people and in, in circumstances that break our heart. Uh, I think it's trying to fix, fix brokenness, regardless of what it is, whether it's people or whether it's circumstances. I think going in to restore situations is i think probably the key element i think the thing that makes me fulfilled and i think what makes the church fulfilled rather than just living individual lives and rather than just focusing just on our family which yes we should i think like yeah we go in and try to restore family our family itself but i really feel like in the broad sense of our communities and our world and to look for broken circumstances and to look for broken people and to to just have compassion and to love them Mm -hmm. in reality and to build community from that and so i don't know that that really is the it's really funny because it's like the one thing that gets me charged is not necessarily making music but it's seeing brokenness not fixed i don't want to say fixed but i guess seeing people and meeting people in their brokenness 
So a question I haven't asked anybody in a while, because I haven't spoken to anybody from Texas in a while, but you know, I've talked, I've well, asked, I've asked Sean Palmer, I've asked you know, Derek Webb, you know, Richard Beck, a couple of the people. So you've got to choose now. And so I'm going to break, I'm going to break the, the theological theme for a moment. So you've got to do either, you know, Whataburger or, or In-N-Out Burger. Which, which <laughs> one is it? Because okay, this matters. So- this could be heretical. Like it, it matters. <laughs> Oh, dude, this is an easy question. It's Whataburger, dude. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah. I saw the news the other day that they were being bought by someone else. And I was like, oh, no. I'm like, oh, never mind. This is just venture capital. It's going to be fine. They're still making burgers. It's going to be okay. You're talking about Chicago. Yeah. I think there's, yeah, I think it's just some some rich person with some money bailing them out. Your music, I've really enjoyed it over these past couple of years, like especially Ephesians. I don't know why I come back to that often. And there's a track where you stop playing and you just hear like a, a preacher come on, you know, just worship God. And I forget what track it is, but it's one of my favorite tracks. Um, even my kids, like when we're driving, will turn it up and then they all just yell it with there. But I'm curious, you know, as a musician, as someone... Uh, I also play music. I'm not extremely good at it, but I enjoy doing it. Uh, it, When I sing and when I write or when I play someone else's music, it changes the way that I view God in a similar way to how like having kids has changed the way that I see God. And you alluded to that a bit about, you know, with with God as father. When you're writing music or when you're worshiping with music, how does that break open pieces of God that possibly weren't there prior or how has it in the past? That's a really good question, man. No, I think music is definitely, um, it's extremely, I guess, useful for me as a, as a person of faith and, and somebody who's able to, to try in a sense, I guess, communicate what's going on internally. Um, it's a chance for me to, yeah, I guess to, I don't know. It's a good question. I guess, I guess with like kind of Ephesians, you know, Ephesians was big, big in my heart, even before I recorded that album, for instance, because uh, what inspired me was years before that I had memorized Ephesians chapters one, two, and three and held on to that. And that ministered to me in, in so many ways because I would hear sermons, I would hear conversations, I would hear theological debates and, and conversations based on faith. And it always come back to these chapters that I had memorized. And it was always like kind of, I would start just quoting, quoting scripture, you know, uh, based on conversations. So those, those chapters meant a lot to me. Ephesians was huge, you know, in me, I guess, developing my faith and, and who God was and just becoming, a, I guess, a better theologian, you know, and better in my understanding of, of who God was. And so later on, when I was at Houston Northwest, back at Houston, our, our pastor, Steve, you know, Dr. Steve Besner, he did a, a series in Ephesians. And that was something that, that really gripped me and um, really challenged me, but strengthened me in so many ways. And I felt compelled to share that, share where I was personally, in my faith walk and through writing about the, the chapters in Ephesians. And through that, it was not only a goal to encourage others, but it was also a goal to encourage myself, you know, to strengthen myself. And so 
in so many ways, I think God used that to bless others, but also just to bless my heart and, and help me understand who he was through this creation of, of singing about him and, and writing about him mm-hmm. based on the book. Ephesians is it's, it's a great album. Blessed King also has become, I think that's the name of the album. That might just be a name of a yeah. song. Is that the name of the album? Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's a great cover. Either way, I'm I'm a little jealous of the cover. Um, it's I like simple, <laughs> bold. Like it's just it's it's easy to recognize. Anyway, that's a digression. So you had talked about at the very <laughs> beginning, possibly before I told you we were recording, that you know some things in your faith have possibly changed or shifted. And so I'm curious what some of those are and kind of where you're at now. Like if there's something that you know the 18 year old version of Matt was like, absolutely, this is the gospel truth. What are some of those things now that you're like, yeah, man, I really missed the boat. It was unloving. And maybe I was right, but I'm pretty sure I was wrong because I have a lot of those. I have a lot. You're you're absolutely right. So like, I think just being a student in ministry, I think you're very vulnerable to the message and the narrative of, of, of Jesus and, you know, of, of what happened on the cross and what led to the cross and, you know, understanding who God was and just this whole idea of this evangelistic, you know, sorry, evangelistic, or sorry, I can't even say the word. (laughs) So uh, evangelical, sorry, idea of of just understanding who God is, you know, based on, you know, the narrative of of Jesus and the birth and virgin birth up to the the cross and, and, and then the the resurrection and the ascension, and then how we are to share that, um, how we're to share this this gospel truth to people in a sense that we know all the answers, you know, and that we know uh, life secrets to everything, you know, of why people are depressed, why people are addicted, why people are broken. It's all because of this, you know, and here's the one way to fix it. And it's just like, I think when you're young, you're very vulnerable and you're receptive to that, but also it's, it's easy to grasp onto that and become kind of judgmental in a lot of ways. And to think that way, to have that, that way of thinking of like, even people in your family, members in your family, people in society, people in politics and everything like, this is what Jesus would have thought. Here's what, here's what we should think. Here's the right way of thinking. And if you think differently, then you're wrong and you're going to hell. you know, just point blank. Mm-hmm. And um, being young, you know, that's that's something that you kind of grasp onto, I think, out of fear and anxiety. You want to be in the right, you know, right state of mind. You want to be in the right crowd. And so I think life helps shape a, di- shape a different perspective. I think the more people you know, the brokenness that you experience yourself, but also the more brokenness that you come in contact with uh, when reaching the broken, you know, there's a different perspective that you have and that opens up. And so I think, especially Blessed King, it's kind of ironic because a lot of those songs were written when I was kind of in a, in a young state of mind when it comes to who the church is and evangelical mind of growing the church, but being a part of a church plant and reaching people in the Pacific Northwest who are complacent, but also who are resistant towards faith in general and just thinking, wow, they're so wrong. I can't believe they're doing this, you know, without even knowing them, without even having a greater perspective of who these people are. And so, but yet writing this music and putting out this album, 
is almost a way for me to become vulnerable in that sense of, of telling people this is who I was. I still believe in, in who God is and his essence, but when it comes to certain topics in the church and when it comes to certain topics of faith, like those become a little bit more left, left-handed rather than kind of right-handed issues, if that makes sense. What do you mean? What do you mean left-handed and right-handed? Uh, left-handed is more when it comes to understanding people and maybe more of their morality. When it comes to to understanding issues and in, in politics, when it comes to understanding you know positions in the church where we stand, whether it's you know through feminism or politics or Republican or conservatism or just understanding people in general, whether it's homosexuality or um, you know uh, just different things of the church that I was like, these are close-handed issues, right? And they're really not, you know, and just kind of becoming aware of of understanding people as people and wanting to know who they are and having a, a greater perspective rather than shutting them off just because of their stance on something and thinking I know who they are based on, I don't know, what they stand for. So I want to follow up on that. So how do you, I was asked this question the other night, you know, how do you know if the church or the faith body or this, the community, because some people just don't go to church and they find community elsewhere. Like, how do you know that it's, how do you weigh that it's healthy when, you know, the, maybe the pastoral staff or the the lay staff, or just even the people that sit across from you, you know, hold just polar opposite views. And uh, how do you work through that as a church so that you have space to actually still love each other without just horrible rhetoric. So I think one of the biggest issues is homosexuality. And uh, especially with the Southern church, I should say. So I don't know, (laughs) you know, what perspective you have, but when it comes to the Southern church, you know, that's, that's one of the bigger things, Mm -hmm. you know, other than you being a Democrat, it's like, okay, wow. uh, You being a homosexual is like, that's another, wow. That's a huge, huge, um, obstacle here you know we just we just can't seem to to cross or to fix or whatever and it's like i think the biggest issue is i've i've seen so much hurt in that with having best friends who are homosexuals who have just been shut out by the church and so i would love to see more of a not only just a welcoming sense of of the church of of welcoming and welcoming in homosexuals or somebody who who you know it would say, "Hey, I, you know, I'm, I am a homosexual," but to not have this sense of, of being on mission to save them. Does it make sense? Mm, like, yeah. hey, we're, we're, you know, we, we, we appreciate you saying that you're homosexual, but we, we are going to strive, strive to try and fix you. And here are those ways. Uh, we're not going to allow you be, to be a member. We're not going to allow you to serve, but we're going, we're going to try to, to meet with you and try to work on this issue that you're having. You know, and it just feels so much like a disconnect when it comes to mercy and, and service and, and understanding and compassion. And so it's hard. Yeah, I was talking with someone the other day. Um, they actually. Uh, so, so you asked for for my frame of mind. So I'm from Midland, Texas. Uh, so okay. well within the Bible Belt. And then I went to Liberty, and it wasn't until afterwards. Um, oh, I did too. Yeah, uh, you went to Liberty, really? Yeah. When, when were you there? Uh, it was all mine. Oh, oh, well, I, no, I, I spent more money. I spent way too much more money. I spent way too much money. But I met my wife, you know, while I was at Liberty's. I wouldn't trade that for the world. Worth every penny. 
Um, and I recently paid that off last October of 2018, wow. which is a big deal. I can talk to people named Sally again without getting angry. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> for a while there, couldn't do it. So that's kind of the frame of mind. But someone had asked me, you know, how can you hold, because I am entirely inclusive, like not just welcoming, like entirely inclusive, because I think hermeneutically, yeah. we use and, and browbeat scripture the same way that people use to justify slavery or other things. And, right. and like, there's just very few words that we hinge on in the New Testament and the Old, and right. we just forget the culture. And so what I told a friend that, that is a pastor He's like, I just don't understand you can do it. He's like, I can be welcoming, but they're not, they just can't participate in something. And I was like, well, then you're not welcoming. Like if you right. want them to participate in sacraments and I believe marriage is one and you won't do that, then you're not welcoming. You can say you're whatever you want to say you are to make yourself feel right. good, but you're a liar. And he right. just stared at me. I was like, I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to be honest. You know, it's, <laughs> and I could say that because yeah. I didn't go to his church and I, I go to a church that doesn't have an issue with that. So I'm, I, you know, I'm, I know that there's some privilege there, but I'm curious. So what is next on the horizon for Matt? Like I saw recently, which I haven't finished listening. I've listened to it a few times, but I haven't finished. I like to chew on music. I saw recently you had, an, I think, a new a new single come out. But what is what is next for Matt? Like, are you going, where are you going? Where are you driving that car to? That's a good question, you know, because honestly, I had a count like I meet with a counselor just because, you know, I, I think it's healthy and something that it, it really it helps me in ministry in general. It helps me in my family and relationships and the way I respond to people, the way that I interact and whatever. It gives me a better perspective when it comes to life rather than just coping with things in the way that I think they should be dealt with, whether it's you know, ministry, whether it's personal, whether it's my past or anything, I need a professional perspective to help me. So if anybody's listening out there and you are, you know, resisting professional help when it comes to counseling and you're just like, well, I can just do it on my own. I really think one of the most refreshing things is meeting with somebody professional that can give you a perspective and in what you're dealing with, regardless of what it is, whether it's anger, whether it's anxiety, professional ministry, frustration, family, or anything, it's really good to have that outside perspective who, who can tell you, hey, have you thought of it this way? You know, And uh, so where I'm getting at is meeting with a professional counselor and going through a lot of things, they, they realized that I was a creative person. They realized that uh, a way for me to become excited to become energized was to create and, and more specifically music. And so they said, well, why don't you turn your therapy or your turn what you're going through into music? Why not talk about and be honest about your emotions and your passion and being expressive through, you know, creativity, you know, and, and that hit me. That was a long time ago. That was probably, I don't know, 11 12 years ago. And from that point, um, I've never stopped creating. And so regardless of what it is, whether it's about my faith, whether it's about who God is and his nature, whether it's about what I've learned through scripture or ministry and my love for God, or if it's just my life, it's, if it's my going through my family or my past or struggles and being honest and open about the struggles I go through now, you know, whether it's habitual struggle struggles or whether it's emotional struggles or whatever it's like music is a way for me to it's a way for me to kind of 
um, utilize music as therapy. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. I view music and melody as therapy in a way. And so I create, I constantly create. And so if I want to be vulnerable with people, it's almost like here's my way of being vulnerable and showing vulnerability is, is creating music and releasing it to the world. Say, I don't care what you think of me, but this is who I am. This is the real Matt, and it's through my music. I will come for you, my love, for I know your pain. I will stop the rain from speaks to me like I hear a lot of I hear a lot of truth if that that's not even the best word I hear a lot of authenticity or honesty in your music I appreciate that yeah so yeah I actually sent um so my wife is is a is a cancer nurse and so I'm all people email me sometimes about you know you know what can I pray or how can I pray or whatever I don't even know why because I I don't come from any position of authority but what I send them is that I will comfort you song over and over and I can't tell you how many people have, have emailed back and they're like this was the right amount of not trite and wordplay, like the right amount of truth, if, if that makes sense. Because yeah, you, can, no, you can really overdo it when you're trying to comfort someone. Yeah. Uh, and I don't mean that as a play on words. It's just the best word. Yeah, so, yeah. so I want to end with this. Where, do, where would you send people to that either want to get a hold of your music, want to message you maybe and say, hey, what are you doing? Or, or how can I hear more? Where would you send people to, Matt? I would totally send them to, to anything that's that's um, more of their digital platform of, of listening music so if it's spotify or itunes or if it's you know Bandcamp or or anything where they go to support you know music that they love i, I would definitely say spotify is a big one but, but if you don't have spotify if you're you know an itunes person you can do that uh, but really anywhere um there's youtube there's anything so I, i'm not really I, I don't know how to say this but uh, I'm not motivated by money. And so I'm not motivated <laughs> by listens. I'm not motivated by like, wow, I need to get more downloads or I need to have more people, you know, be followers or anything like that. I'm not motivated by that. So money's not a big issue. So whatever you, you know, feel led to listen to, you know, if it's YouTube, listen to YouTube. I'm on there somewhere. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it, like, I mean, Spotify, for instance, I'm not making jack off of that. So if you want to listen through Spotify, that's t- that's totally fine. But um, yeah, I think if anybody feels led to listen to music, to listen to my music, just know that that's not anything I'm motivated by. I'm motivated by somebody hearing the real me, you know, and uh, the vulnerable me. Uh, and I will say personally, do what I think. I'm going to be honest about where I am. I'm going to wear my heart on my sleeve, whether it's about my faith, spirituality, or whether it's about my brokenness and mess ups, or whether it's about my, my distrust of, of, of fathers and who God is. And maybe it might be a struggle of, of where I am with, with my perception of who God is. But regardless of my music, it's going to be real. So I, I would love for people to listen to anything. Perfect. Well, good. I will link to 
Well, as many of those things that you listed, I will link to all of them in the show notes. I'm not sure how I'll track them all down, <laughs> but I'll, I will make, I don't know how to do one of those link tree things that I've seen people do, but I will make one for you and I will put it, I will put it in the show notes. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure it's free to do. So really it's, it's just a bit of time to do it. So, but either way, um, Matt, thank you so much for coming on. I have enjoyed the conversation. These are amongst my favorite conversations because there's not a roadmap. And so they're the most authentic ones that I get to have. Like I really like talking with authors and theologians, but it is often very refreshing to have a different if that makes sense, like to have a conversation that is not thematically aimed at any overarching spine of a book. Um, Not that I don't like those because I do. I love to read, but these, so thank you again for, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate, you know, you asking me and um, I definitely would love any more conversations in the future. I just really appreciate you reaching out and I love what you're doing. I really do. I appreciate what you're doing to, to have a better conversation in the church, to have a better conversation based on those who are in the church and part of the church and want to see what the church is really about, to really dive into to better conversations when it comes to personal faith. So I, yeah, I thank you for reaching out and love what you're doing, man. So thanks. Appreciate it. my love beating from your chest. I love these conversations. I said it in the interview and I meant every single word of it. These conversations with the supporters of the show, be them here and the willingness of those to share their story a bit in part in such a public way. So be those conversations here or all of the ones that I have via email or social media, some of them on the phone. They are some of the most life-giving conversations that I have and it's a privilege to have them. So I want to leave you with two things. I would like to leave you with some new music from Matt. And so that will get started in a second. But at Matt's website, uh, which you'll find links to in the show notes, he's got a quote from Alphonse de Lamartine. And it says, music is the literature of the heart. It commences where speech ends. And I find that to be so true. At times when I don't have words to say, there's almost always a song that I can find or music that I lean on that helps me express something that I needed to get out. It's healthy. I look forward to having Matt back on in the future, hopefully. Uh, we talked about some things after the fact that I think is a fascinating topic about the intersection of you know music, your true self, trauma, and mental health. And so hopefully that will happen. So I hope you all have a great week. Let's listen to this music.
was fine on Sunday Now I change in the wind He said I feel it This I never wanted But now that I can hear it I'm being honest in the air He said I Too far.